0: In 1968, Mark Rudd led the legendary occupation of five buildings at Columbia University, a dramatic act of protest against the university's support for the Vietnam War and its institutional racism. Rudd was the charismatic chairman of the Columbia chapter of Students for a Democratic Society, the largest radical student organization in the United States. After a violent police bust, the Columbia occupation turned into a student strike that closed down the entire campus, turning Rudd into a national symbol of student revolt. Rudd went on to become the co-founder of the Weatherman faction of SDS, which took control of the student organization and helped organize the notorious Days of Rage in Chicago 69. But Mark Rudd wanted revolution, so he and his friends sought to end war, racism, and injustice by any means necessary, even violence. After a tragic turn that led to the death of three members who were killed when the bombs they were making in a Greenwich Village townhouse exploded, they transformed themselves into the Weather Underground Organization. By the end of 1970, after a string of non-lethal bombings by the organization, Rudd, who is now one of the FBI's most wanted, went into hiding for more than seven years before turning himself in to great media fanfare. In his new autobiography, *Underground*, Red speaks out about this tumultuous period, the role played in its, the role he played in its crucial events, its aftermath, and uh, he reveals the drama and tension as well as the naivete of young activists fighting in the name of peace and social justice, who believe that their actions mattered. And uh, Mark Red joins us this morning from uh, New Mexico. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Jared. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us. I uh, will confess, I finished the the epilogue about uh, an hour and a half ago. I woke up early because I fell asleep just at the end of the book last night. It is uh, an absolutely amazing tale, and uh, it's the
1: epilogue is pretty cool
0: too. The epilogue is is very cool. You know, a lot of readers would probably skip over either either a preface or an epilogue, and so. Uh, I want to encourage listeners not to do that. Why don't we begin? Uh, why now? I mean, it, it, you've you've been uh, above ground for so long. Why is the book out now?
1: Well, I think that, uh, first of all, I, I basically did not tell the story for many, many years. I lived um, um, as a normal person. Uh, <laughs> I uh, was a, uh, for 26 years, I was a, uh, Classroom teacher at a community college, uh, teaching remedial math, and um, I, I also was involved in um, uh, many different organizing uh, efforts uh, during that time. But this story was pretty well. I, I just didn't want to go back there, you know. There um, are you know, a lot of. It was a difficult story. It's difficult to kind of come to terms with all, with all the mistakes, for example. But then, 2003 really changed everything, and that's that's when when I decided that that the story needs to be told. um, One thing that happened in 2003 was a a movie appeared um, which uh, 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 had as a subject the weather underground. It was, uh, in fact, that's that's the title, the weather underground. Uh, Have you seen it?
0: Uh, I've seen it. I show it uh, in my class, and you didn't get to hear the the intro to my show, but uh, it's a... A sound collage of a bunch of sound bites, and there's a sound bite ah. of, of Bernadine Doran saying, "White youth must choose sides." <laughs> so, yes, I'm quite familiar with the documentary.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, um, great. The um, um, the documentary uh, um, was uh, uh, very popular. It was shown on um, uh, PBS. It, it uh, was nominated uh, for an Academy Award, and. Um, uh, I started uh, I, I, getting invitations to go around with it and, and to uh, do Q and A's afterwards, and I, I was quite stunned at the, the amount of interest, uh, especially that young people have in the subject. Um, they, didn't, they had never heard of such a thing. It was it was very um, provocative for them, and, and and so that that's one thing that happened. And then simultaneously, the United States uh, invaded Iraq, attacked Iraq, and. Started a very long war, you know, hateful feudal war, and um, I, I thought that well, it's not this. This there were there are historical precedents, Vietnam, for example, and the anti-war movements. So, um, uh, it, at the end of two thousand three, I, I I decided to, to 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 tell the story. It was basically the the the. Uh, um, synchronicity of these two uh, events of 2003 that that really sort of uh, knocked me off of my uh, my track, let's say.
0: We're speaking with Mark Rudd. He is the uh, author of Underground, My Life with SDS, and The Weatherman. You know, one of the things I think that's interesting is that a lot of people's introduction to Mark Rudd comes from that documentary, And so a lot of uh, younger listeners may not know about uh, the events that led up to the Weathermen, uh, in particular the uh, protests at Columbia University, because they only get brief mention in the documentary. Today at uh, all the UC campuses here in California, there is a staged walkout. And uh, perhaps you could begin by telling our listeners how you became politically active and what particularly happened at Columbia.
1: Um. I'll get to that in a second, but I'm really fascinated. What is this walkout? Uh, what's it, what's the, uh, the, the, the issue? What's the topic?
0: Well, the issue is uh, the budget cuts that have affected higher education in the state of California. All uh, public university professors, myself included, uh, have been furloughed and uh, have received uh, slashes to our salaries. Uh, adjuncts and lecturers have been uh, have been let go. Tuition has gone up exponentially every year, and uh, there are less class, less classes, and larger class offerings. And uh,
1: California, what, what, what a tragedy! California. When, when I was a kid, California had the best educational system in the world, the best public educational system in the world, and it all got knocked off its tracks by that damn uh, Proposition 13 uh, yep. in 1978. Uh, 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 right wing uh, uh populism uh, dem- demagoguery demagoguery uh, what 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 a what a tragedy
0: and west coast listeners aren't familiar with the term the third rail but in california politics mentioning prop 13 as a cause of uh so much of our uh financial crisis mentioning prop 13 is that third rail it's the electric I, I, I
1: don't ch- I, I don't understand that why i mean it's obvious that that the result of Prop 13 was, was to um, um, starve the state, and that's what it was intended to do.
0: Absolutely, and, and it has. And uh, so anyway, there is uh, there is a walkout today. Um, and I mean, the
1: cost the cost of higher education in general is a scandal. Um, um, when when I was a kid, uh, when I was in college, nobody had anywhere near the kind of debt. That students regularly at public institutions, such as the community college where I worked. um, No one had this level of debt, not the poorest kid. It was a right of people to have higher education 40 years ago. Now everything is privatized, and the result is that only the wealthy can afford it. The UC system, um, the University of California system, which I'm quite um, familiar with because my daughter went to UCSD, the UC system... Is entirely captured by the upper middle class. Absolutely, that's who goes to UC, and then you've got the state college system, which you're a part of, which I guess is for the people just below that. Is that correct? Uh,
0: it is, but it's uh, increasingly becoming uh, off limits to them as well, as uh, student tuition just went up another nine hundred dollars. So, uh, so but, this but what's
1: the cost? What's the cost per per semester of a uh, 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 tuition? At, at cal
0: State uh, you got me on that one I could quote a number but I would probably be off but uh, it's it's still comparatively affordable it's it's a couple thousand dollars probably but that's still you know for people who who want to work or who, who want to focus full-time on education they probably have to work because the true cost as we know uh, is not tuition but it's books and dorms and food and all of the other supplies computers and right. the like but that's right.
1: People people should should be paid to go to college in, in in an ideal world.
0: Well, tell listeners about the outrage that you experienced at um, Columbia University. I, I, sorry,
1: uh, I, I just got so excited. No, about
0: absolutely. That. I mean, it's it's it's. Uh, It's fortunate, I suppose, that uh, the date that you were available just happens to be on a date that uh, this this massive walkout across the state of California at the UC campuses has occurred. So it's a a fitting subject for today.
1: It's at Cal State as well as UC?
0: This one is at UC's Cal States are planning an event for October.
1: I see. So this is UC. This is UC. Um, Yeah. Okay, uh, 1968. Uh, Well, let let me go back to 1965. Uh, I was an 18-year-old kid. I... Um, 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 went to uh, Columbia University as a freshman in September of 65 um, just to set the stage a little more back in in March and April of 65 uh, the United States attacked Vietnam with main force uh, uh, troops and and that was the the beginning of the the, 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 the major escalation of the war in Vietnam that, that hit half a million by the end of 67 uh, half a million American soldiers, but the um, in, in, in June of 65, I turned 18, and I went down to the draft board and registered, because that's what 18-year-old kids did. My my brother was in the Army at the time. Um, my father was a reserve officer. Um, that's just what you did. Uh, but then when I got to Columbia, um, I noticed that there was already activity. People educating and, and talking and and, and and protesting the war in Vietnam uh, and the university's involvement in it. And I just fell in with those people. I thought they were the coolest people around. And they, uh, it, it really uh, um, kind of, uh, it, it was almost like a social thing as well as a, as a political thing, but but um, the idea that, that people could actually act against the war was was, was very exciting, and uh, particularly exciting because um, that was the era um, uh, of the, the tail end of the, the Civil Rights Movement, and, and students had, at, at some points, led that Civil Rights Movement. So um, uh, there was none of the cynicism that, you, that, that people ha- have now. Um, uh, about the uh, inability or, or the ineffectiveness of action. It was the opposite. It was if you join with other people, you, you can get a lot done. And um, um, So I, I kind of joined up. I, 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 I tell the story in a lot more detail in the book, the kinds of thoughts and emotions I went through and the people I met and the sort of conflicts that I went through. But um, for the next three years, I was an organizer in, in the SDS chapter at Columbia. Um, we took on the issues of the university's involvement with the war, and we also took on um, the issue of the university's um, racism towards the surrounding Harlem community. And um, that's another uh, thing I talk about quite a bit in the book, is uh, um, the proximity of Columbia to Harlem, uh, the largest uh, uh African American community in the United States uh, at the, at the time it was known as the capital of black america um, and it's right next to columbia and we were very aware of of the differences well we did a lot of organizing we did a lot of um uh which might call demonstrations and confrontations uh, with the school administration um, and it all reached ahead in april 68 do you, do you want me to talk in more detail about this? Or,
0: yeah, well, or? yeah, it, talk about the strike. And one of the things I couldn't quite understand uh, from the book is uh, ex- an exact timeline. How long did the occupation and the strike, ha- over how many weeks or days did that occur? Yeah.
1: Um, let me go back. It, it, it all started on April 23rd uh, of 1968, and uh, it, it, it lasted uh, till the end of the semester. We actually effectively closed down the school. Uh, so uh, that was to the beginning of June. Um, it was the largest student strike uh, up to that point in in, uh, um, in in that era at least, maybe I don't know, maybe maybe uh, um, in history, until, of course, May of seventy, when um, uh, th- three to four million students went on strike. but but um, so so essentially we we closed down the campus. now, the the weeks before, April 23rd were also important. Um, one thing that happened was that uh, uh, the um, Vietnamese had a great military and, and, and psychological victory um, in uh, January, Feb- in uh, February and March of 68. Um, it was uh, known at the time as the Tet Offensive. Um, what happened was they, they attacked um, American bases and, and um, um, cities under the control of the United States. Uh, up to, I think, about 160 cities they attacked simultaneously. And they gave the lie to the, to the uh, um, idea that the United States was winning in Vietnam. And I mean, every time the United States attacks a country, uh, the military and the uh, political leadership always says, well, we're winning the war. But, of course, uh, it's not always true. It's usually not true. Um, anyway, um, public opinion reversed itself on the war in a matter of two months. Um, As an immediate result, the um, President of the United States, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, said he's not going to run again um, for re-election. That was uh, March 31st, 1968. Um, That was a great victory for the anti-war movement, and we had been working for years and years. Uh, However, uh, just four days later, Martin Luther King was uh, assassinated in Memphis, and cities all over the United States went up in, in, in flames, including Harlem, right next to Columbia. Uh, so there was this, this enormous tension in the air, um, and we had been uh, doing a lot of education and and and, and provocation at, at Columbia. So students were, were ready to 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 act uh, by April twenty third, nineteen
0: sixty eight. I want to remind listeners that they're in tune to KUCI in Irvine. This is Justice or Just Us. We're speaking with Mark Rudd, author of Underground, My Life with SDS and the Weathermen. You know, it's interesting. You're talking about uh, your experience in uh, Harlem. Uh, it seems that a lot of what your, uh, your activism... Involved wasn't just anti-war activism, but really trying to bridge the divide between not only the campus of Columbia and the broader city of Harlem, but bridge the gap between uh, white students and black youth, or whites and blacks. Um, can you comment on that a bit?
1: Yeah, we, um, we were radicals. Now what radical means is you get to the root of the problem so we didn't see uh, problems as, as existing in isolation um, where you had racism in the United States and you also had uh, uh, militarism abroad um, It took Martin luther King um, uh, until nineteen sixty seven uh, to, to speak out on on the uh, connections between uh, poverty and racism abroad and 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 military adventure, uh, or excuse me, poverty and racism uh, in this country and military adventure abroad. But but, uh, to us, the two were related. Um, They were related at at the level of um, the uh, system, the economic and political system that gave us uh, war and poverty and racism. So, um, yeah, we were radicals, and and, and in all cases we we wanted to get to to, uh, to talk about and to, to hit at the root causes. Um, we um, w- um, became socialists. We we were anti-capitalist. Um, we felt that uh, the capitalist system inevitably um, gives us war and racism and poverty.
0: You know, um, I still believe that. Incidentally, we had uh, exchanged some emails, and I mentioned that uh, reading the opening chapters of uh, Underground, I almost felt like I was reading something that I could have uh, could have written. Uh, both of us, uh, white. Jewish males uh, from a conservative, at least maybe conservative Jew families, maybe not politically conservative, but uh, you know, I grew up a conservative Jew from uh, the San Fernando Valley, and when I went to grad school, uh, I ended up at uh, the Rutgers Newark campus, and uh, certainly listeners of this program probably know Newark is uh, still one of the uh, crime capitals and uh, poorer cities of, of the country. And uh, it was such an interesting juxtaposition. I was the only white person on my block. I was the only white person in my neighborhood, uh, living actually in Newark, not in in any of the dorms or or graduate housing. What what's,
1: what street did you live on? I
0: was on James Street, just off of Broad Street, and uh-huh. it's it's certainly one of the nicer areas today. But you know, they found a a homeless person in my backyard one uh, you know one morning. He uh, she, I believe, had froze to death trying to find shelter. People had knocked on my door asking for food. That's quite different from uh, other urban areas where you see people panhandling outside of a Seven Eleven. I mean, when someone knocks at your door and you're eating dinner, it's kind of hard to deny that, that you've yeah. got the privilege.
1: Newark, Newark was, became a blacks and Latino city. It was abandoned by the white people. I mean, it's not unlike Detroit or Oakland or uh, downtown Oakland it's, 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 or New Orleans. It's, it's, it's what It's the white flight my family left Newark um, to live in the all-white suburbs.
0: Yeah, and it was just such an interesting juxtaposition, taking classes in criminology, hearing that the causes of crime had nothing to do with the reality in which I was placed, you know, genetics or neurochemistry. <laughs> no, it, or uh, And that, that is <laughs> it, what radical, radicalized me, and it sounded like it was you know, very similar to you know, being at a private Columbia University in the heart of, as you said, the, the black capital.
1: Very much, very much. The, the The reality was was so glaring. Uh, uh, Newark, Harlem. Um, in fact, I, I, I blundered into um, these uh, a riot in nineteen sixty seven in Newark, and I and I blundered into the riot in Harlem in sixty eight. Um, the reality was so glaring, and uh, uh, and it, it was so different from what we were taught in in the classroom. That's why the. Um, the student radicals were so exciting. They had a, 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 an explanation. It wasn't about deviance. It had to do with the economic system that people are faced with.
0: I think it's hard for listeners today to fathom uh, the influence that Students for a Democratic Society probably had on the national landscape. Um, talk about SDS, and then uh, talk about what caused the split,
1: SDS is a big story, and, 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 and I'm glad you asked. It's a, um, it, it, it goes back to, um, actually, it, it's got origins before 62, but i like to, to begin the story in 62, um, when a small group of intellectuals um, wrote a, uh, a paper called the Port Huron Statement, and your listeners can find it very easily on the web. Um, it was the founding document of SDS, although there were predecessors. The main um, author of the Port Huron statement was uh, um, um, Tom Hayden, uh, a a SoCal uh, character. Uh, He's still a politician, he's still a writer and an agitator and an organizer um, in in L.A. Um, You can find uh, um, uh, a lot of smart things that uh, uh, Tom Hayden says uh, on Huffington Post any any morning. Anyway, um, the the put your Own statement galvanized a, a generation of students in, at, at the height of the Cold War. Basically, what it said was the Cold War is not necessary; that it's it's a it's a construct, um, and 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 that that racism and and uh, preparations for war are not necessary. Um, it, it called for for a true progressive movement. Um, we're still in the process of building that that movement, but. It's a brilliant statement. Um, I, uh, I, I quoted a little bit from it in my book, and uh, one of my students uh, last night in, in a class that I teach um, read the uh, sentence and said, this is incredible. The, the sentence that said, we would replace power and prestige, power based in prestige and wealth, with um, a, a democracy uh, of, of uh, based in love and, and mutual admiration. And... and uh, um, it's a, it, it's brilliant writing anyway the students said wow i like this you know so the the program statement still speaks to 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 young people and i do urge people to read it anyway um between 62 and 65 um, the organization uh, grew mostly as a as a um a, a white northern adjunct to the civil rights movement um the black civil rights movement in the south uh it um it was allied with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee uh, in the South, and that—that um, that was the period 61 to 65 um, when SNCC was at its height. Um, uh, Southern students, mostly black, um, going into the the, the worst um, places such as Mississippi and Alabama, and organizing um, the uh, uh, quite effectively, incidentally. Um, so we were um, i was I was not part of s d s at the time I was in, in high school I barely knew anything about the civil rights movement other than um, what you saw on television and it was very exciting but um, SDS grew as a northern adjunct of the Civil Rights Movement. Many of the concepts that were developed in the Civil Rights Movement, such as participatory democracy, the idea that that people could make their own decisions and and could meet together and and, and decide democratically um, what what their lives would be like, Um, this came directly out of SNCC. Um, Anyway, um, the organization grew slowly, At a number of of northern campuses, um, usually tended to be um, the the more elite schools like uh, uh, Columbia and and, uh, um, University of Michigan, University of Wisconsin, um, uh, places where where there was a tradition of of intellectual students and and left-wing students. they they were engaged in all kinds of um, organizing in, in communities off campus. They they um, developed a concept called the interracial um, movement of the poor. Um, they were essentially experiments in places like Chicago, Cleveland, uh, Newark. Um, so it's a great history. But then in '65, right as the war jumped off, SDS called the first. Um, national protest against the war. It was April of 1965, exactly as the United States invaded. And they expected a few people to come to um, Washington, but instead, tens of thousands came. It was the first... It was the first national demonstration, and, and that was a turning point in the, in the whole history of the anti-war movement. And SDS found itself at the leadership. Um, and, and, of course, there was a, a, a great internal um, discussion as to whether they should turn towards the war or not, but it was inevitable. SDS uh, grew on campuses as a leading anti-war organization. And the, the number of, of, of chapters grew from two digits, you know, like in the teens or 20s, um, all the way to 400 chapters on 400 college campuses and, and high schools. And, and it's it's hard to know who was an actual member, but uh, it said that we had 100,000 um, uh, active members by 1968 uh, uh, on 400 uh, uh, high school and college campuses. It was very exciting um, movement to be in. It became, SDS went from, from a kind of an... an Elite movement of organizers to to being a mass movement is very very exciting, but there are many problems involved with that kind of growth and 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 things were uneven um, as as to um, what uh, you know what you might call political outlook and political development within the organization. However, um, a, a one one. Um, uh, issue grew dominant, which was the infiltration of SDS by an outside party. Um, it was a Maoist sect, a party, called Progressive Labor Party. And they had a well-worked-out plan for what students should be doing, allying with the workers. And there's, there's a lot to be said for this, but the, the external quality of the party um <laughs> The, the idea of democracy.
0: It. Uh, Mark, we're losing the signal a little bit.
1: That's because I'm out in the garden.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Okay, we can hear you a better. Hold now.
1: on, I'm picking tomatoes right. while we're talking. Well, while I'm talking, I don't know. I mean, this sort of sounds to me like a monologue. How much detail should I should I give on on this split? Because well, the, I, I mean, devote, it, I devote a whole chapter. Yeah, we don't need here. to get.
0: We don't need. We want to uh, get to the the underground uh, chapters, but. Uh one of the things that I think is interesting is uh when you gave a reading at Book Soup uh in Los Angeles uh, a few weeks ago you chose to read from that chapter and uh reading to uh to the crowd we couldn't help but laugh and I think part of it is that kind of uncomfortable laugh when you realize that everybody's got the same goal and yet there's so much infighting about whether you know workers are the vanguard, or whether minorities should be the vanguard or youth right, or left handed right, right. people or whatever and
1: exactly the agent the left loves to argue over the the, the issue of the agency of change
0: but ultimately it uh, devolved into uh, an argument over over tactics, whether it should be nonviolent or armed struggle and that 's really well,
1: actually actually um. The SDS split was was over these uh, more arcane issues of the agency of change. Was it the, was it the third world national liberation struggles, or was it the workers, as Marx had predicted in 1848? So, um, uh, um, but yes, later on, um, the issue of strategy and tactics did come up, and 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 I found myself at the leadership of this what was in fact a clique. But we look; we call ourselves a faction, and we represented a few chapters, and maybe, maybe at most 500 out of 100,000 people. But we advocated armed struggle uh, in 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 solidarity with the um, non white people of the world who are already engaged in armed struggle against the United States.
0: I want to remind listeners that uh, this is Justice or Justice. We're speaking with Mark Rudd, author of Underground: My Life with SDS and the Weathermen. Uh, there was something, I want to talk about a quote you have from uh, from the documentary The Weather Underground, if I can for a minute, because when I first saw the film, uh, this quote really, really hit me, and I, I, I kind of got scared. Uh, you mention in the documentary that uh, at the height of the Vietnam War, you, the first thing you thought about when you woke up, was that we were bombing people, and you couldn't get out of your mind. Everything you you did was consumed by thoughts of of what the country was doing in your name. And I I, I felt um, that that really represented how I was feeling uh, during the lead up to the the war in Iraq. Certainly, the war in Afghanistan. And then once the war began. It was just we were bombarded with so many different details, Guantanamo and the Patriot Act and domestic spying, that I couldn't figure out how to properly channel that that anger or tension. Um, yeah. is, is that what happened to you? In, and in your-
1: fact, I, I think you're you're pointing to something very important. you know It becomes a kind of a a, a moral imperative to act. You know, and 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 it becomes all consuming, and and in in our case at least, I think it did, it did drive us over the edge. You know, we had to do something, and we the long term patient uh, organizing um, that was that that really was called for um, after about three years of that, or four years, or five for some people. Um, it, it, it wasn't enough. We wanted. We wanted to do more. It, it became an obsession. You know, um, um, I can't speak for your um, feelings, but in two thousand and three, uh, or, or two thousand and nine, but um, in 66 to sixty eight, it wasn't that long after World War Two, and 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 and. You know, we growing up in the shadow of World War II, we, we we a lot of people felt, well, what would we have done had we been in Nazi Germany during that period? Would we have acted against the Nazis? Well, you know, the Nazi uh, analogy is is used all the time now. They're even calling the right wing is calling uh, uh, Obama Nazi, right. but. But I mean, so so I mean, it's 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 become cliched and overused. But but murdering millions of people is a Nazi-like act, and the United States was doing that in Vietnam. We murdered three to five million people. So the question, then, as a as a, a, a an eighteen-year-old or a twenty-year-old, the question to me was, what would I do? What could I do? And it became all-consuming. Yes, for a long time, sixty-five to seventy-five, ten years of my life.
0: And you know, th- there's a a couple of interesting parallels. I mean, one is that uh, you discuss the mentality of violence. I think the strategy, um, uh, briefly, was that uh, if 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 you start with uh, armed struggle, you will. Uh, you, you will. It, it will become contagious. Other youth out there will see that this is that the revolution is happening, and they will they will kind of follow. Is that that, that there needed to be a spark to set the the movement? Yeah, it, it, it,
1: it was it was a theory. It, uh, it was very prevalent uh, in the late '60s. Um, it even had a source and a name. It, it came out of uh, Cuba. Uh, it was um, called the Foco theory. Uh, the leading advocate in the world was a guy by the name of Che Guevara, who appears on a lot of T-shirts nowadays. Um, he actually died trying to put this theory into practice in Bolivia uh, in '67. So, no, there was a theory that that a, a small group could start a, a, a revolution by actually acting and and, and taking action. Um, um, it 's a lousy theory it doesn 't work
0: well what's, uh, it 's I-
1: it, it's, it's never
0: worked well and what 's ironic about it um, i don 't know if irony it 's a tragic irony is that uh, that that is the same mentality of the nineteen hijackers that is the same mentality of those inside the Bush administration at the time, and that 's the same uh, you know when you describe the the cult like mentality of violence how uh, all of you had opportunities to stop it, but it just kind of happened. It's the same kind of thing that was being heard in, uh, you know, about the the Milai Massacre, or about Abu Ghraib, or about any of these other scenarios where violence kind of becomes a cult-like mentality.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Well, a lot of it's based on, uh, uh, in a, in a, it sound, may sound crazy to say, but it's based on idealism. You know, you had the idealism of the neoliberals, who felt that they could, um, uh, by force of arms, uh, spread their version of democracy and, and free markets to the world. And um, um, they got—they—they uh, they happened to be in power in the White House, and and they—they um, uh, they had their way. And of course, it, 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 it didn't work. So when you believe your ideas are true, and the only. Basis for that is the fact that you have them. That's idealism. So it's crazy how idealism leads to violence. We believed this notion of exemplary arm, um, violence um, was true. We also believed that it was the era of um, uh, of national liberation, and that all these um, um, armed struggles against the United States and and, and other colonial domination, um, needed solidarity, and we thought that, that appropriate solidarity was our picking up the gun uh, ourselves, or bombs. You know, part of it, too, was um, the, 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 um, the fact that the left um, uh, um, involved a lot of white people. Uh, as well as non-white, but a lot of white people who stood around applauding uh, the Black Panthers or applauding um, the Brown Berets or the American Indian Movement or applauding the Vietnamese or the Cubans for picking up arms, and but we ourselves were unwilling to do it, and and to to some of us that seemed like racism. It, it seems like we were saying, "Well, our lives are more, are more valuable. Our white lives are more valuable than." than, than, than um, um, Latino lives or, or black lives. So, so we then said, well, it would be racist for us only to applaud. Um, we should pick up the gun ourselves. Now, that's a species of idealism right there, because you get this idea and you sort of work your way into, into a, a, a box with the idea.
0: And uh, we're running short on time. Certainly, listeners know uh, listeners of this program know about uh, the actions of the Weathermen, the Weather Underground, the days of rage when uh, a revolution was uh, attempted in the streets of uh, Chicago, and uh, some of the uh, the bombings. Uh, certainly, what happened at the the Greenwich Townhouse and and so forth. But I want to talk about. Uh, you wrote that. Um, the split or killing or damaging SDS was the biggest mistake, one of the biggest mistakes you feel that you've made. Um, and that, Absolutely. And that you wonder if um, if that hadn't happened, um, whether SDS would have been able to bring uh, the Vietnam War to uh, an end sooner. Uh, well, uh,
1: I, I'm not sure about that, that last part. I, I'm not sure if I wrote
0: that, but... But or I guess my question invitation. is, do you think it would have been able to?
1: I I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I do know that we made uh, a, a small group of people, I being one of, say, ten people, made a crazy decision uh, to close the uh, national office and regional offices of SDS um, in 1969 at the height of the war. And um, um, it didn't stop student organizing from continuing. Um, but it, it, it hampered it. It did a lot of, of uh, 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 damage to the effort. Um, it was exactly what the FBI wanted, and, and in a way, we did their work for them. I write that in the book.
0: Well, and I um, think uh, if I can interject, just I think that that's one of one of the tragedies is that in in the attempt to uh, take it to the next level, uh, you you ended up becoming uh, rather powerless because you were you were a fugitive. And so there were times when you were reading about other things taking place, and you're you're kind of incognito on a park bench,
1: right? And, I, and there was no way I could walk a few blocks to even participate in a demonstration. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was in, in May of 1970. Uh, actually, the campuses exploded without uh, SDS existing. Uh, an ad hoc uh, organization had to come into existence. So, no students still still. Um, uh, organized and, 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 and fought uh, the war, but, but um, um, one thing that that, that that happened was there was a collapse of anti-imperialism. See, it, we weren't just anti-war. We were against the whole imperial system. As a consequence of um, going underground with our imperial, anti-imperialism, um, anti-imperialist organizing pretty well stopped and, and um, uh, we should have been uh, out in the world, out in, in, on college campuses and out in the streets building an anti-imperialist movement. I mean, w- as anti-imperialists, we, we, we not only wanted to stop um, that war, but future wars. Um, uh, who knows? Maybe we could have uh, stopped the uh, attack uh, of the United States on Central America in the 80s, or uh, maybe we could have had a, a stronger anti-imperialist understanding of of the current uh, wars, um, uh, but uh, uh, no, I think I think we blew a lot by going underground.
0: Well, we are unfortunately just about out of time. It is an amazing book. There's no possible way to cover all of it, but I want to uh, get you to spend at least one minute. When uh, students today ask you what they could do, to organize and uh, what trappings to avoid, what advice uh, do you give? Uh
1: I, I generally talk about I, 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 the, the importance of, of, of learning um, the, his, the historical tradition of organizing, the way in which um, the great uh, mass social and political movements of the United States got built. I'm talking about the labor movement, the civil rights movement, the women's movement. These things did not happen spontaneously; um, they happened through self-conscious organizers figure, using a method. And and um, I've been myself studying that method re- uh, in the last years, um, trying to figure out how to communicate it. It it, ha- it 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 has to do with personal engagement between people, and and building relationships and 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 building. Uh, Democratic organizations and, and 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 motivating people through through in a sense through friendship, uh, it, it's it's hard at work. It's strategic work. I mean, I could go on and on. This is what I'm I'm spending a lot of my time um, um, studying now. So, uh, no, it's a uh, um, the study. I I tell young people to study the historical mass movements and try to figure out the method by which they were built.
0: The book is uh, Underground, My Life with SDS and The Weathermen by Mark Rudd. It is uh, an amazing story. It must have been emotionally uh, difficult to write, and I want to thank you so much for writing it, and I really hope I could have you back sometime soon so we could uh, touch upon some of the other themes.
1: Anytime, anytime, time, Jared. I really appreciate the interview. And um, uh, any time you'd like to invite me uh, to come up to Irvine, or uh, uh, I'm in um, San Diego quite a bit. Absolutely. Uh, I'd, I'd love to come. So, Perfect. Uh, and anytime you want to do a, 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 a radio show on any uh, topic that I could be helpful with, let me know.
0: Thank you so much for writing the book and for joining us this morning.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Take care.